Join Greenbook at the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange Conference Series. IIEX is your global hub for connections, inspiration, and innovative solutions in market research. Visit greenbook.org events to learn more about events in Asia, the Americas, and Europe. Use the code PODCAST for 20% off general admission on all upcoming events. This is Karen Lynch. I'm subbing in for Lenny Murphy for another edition of the Green Book Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you sharing your time with us. We know that time is precious these days. It's a precious commodity as in our professional world, our lives are busy. And right now, this time of year, our daylight hours are seeming shorter. So thank you for that. I am honored to be hosting today's episode. It made sense for me to do so as we are debriefing IIEX Health, and I had the honor and privilege of attending IIEX Health last week, and Lenny was not able to be there with us. And I also had the honor and privilege of attending this event with our guest today, Susan Griffin. Susan is both a founder and principal at Griffin & Skiggs Collaborative, a marketing strategy, branding, and communication design consultancy. Prior to starting this agency, Susan was the CMO at a company now known as System One Group. You might all know her as somebody at the renowned agency Brain Juicer. It's such a pleasure to have you here, Susan. Welcome to the Green Book Podcast. It's a privilege to be here. Thank you. Exciting to share our thoughts about IAEX Health, which, by the way, I thought was a triumph. Congratulations. Programming was great, but we'll get into that. We will get into that. Susan, what did I leave out by way of that introduction? What might have been missing from that that would be important for our listeners to know about you? Oh, gosh. Well, I have been around the industry for a very long time. Prior to my role as CMO at at Brain Juicer, way back in my career, I commissioned research. There was a period of time where I, I actually sold panel. I served on the American Marketing Association Insights Council for three years. I was East Coast representative, U.S. representative for SMR. So I've kind of been around the world on a plane, if you will, in the world of insights. Kind of a bit of an accidental tourist in that that role. Didn't sort of spend my early years thinking about being in market research. But in our practice at Griffin and Skaggs Collaborative, which is marketing strategy, branding, communication design. Interestingly enough, a lot of our clients have been uh, agencies in the market research field and the analytics field. So that's a, a little bit more about us. We like to think that we shepherd our clients through what I call the dark arts of marketing, which many market research agencies sometimes struggle with. Tell me what you mean by the dark arts. I love that kind of metaphorically, it really draws me in. Tell me from your point of view what that means. Yeah. I mean, I I think that a lot of, well, a lot of brands, a lot of agencies think of marketing as a creative endeavor, which it is. They think of it as science, which it is. But actually, one of the speakers at IAEX Health, Sarah Devanza, spoke about insights being alchemy, you know, and I think that what we come to the whole process of, of marketing for market research agencies is the notion that you need to create a narrative and a story 
that differentiates your brand as much as just saying, you know, here's what we do, conjoint, quant, qual, want some, which is unfortunately how many agencies tend to think of themselves. And, you know, actually we collaborate with an agency in the UK called Iambic Creative, and we produce a podcast called Story Conversations. And the genesis of Story Conversations was actually a Green Book article that appeared in early 2021, based on some of the research you'd done in one of the business reports, saying that storytelling was going to be the buzzword of 2021. And my partner on the podcast, Simon Arrowsmith, he and I looked at each other over Zoom and said, storytelling, wasn't that done and dusted? But actually what we find is business marketers, particularly in the market research industry, need to be inspired about how to use story. But enough about me and enough about my <laughs> stuff. Let's talk about IEX Health because it was Please. amazing. Yeah, it well, was amazing. And, and so much of what you already said, you know, thematically played a part. So we'll circle back to some of these concepts, storytelling in particular. There, there were lots of conversations around how to tell the story in data, how to st- tell the story properly. You know, we had some great talks about messaging and about communication. So, so yeah, let's get into it. But, but setting the stage for our listeners who were not able to be there, there were a lot of conversations you and I had at the event prior to the speakers taking to the stage about the changing landscape of health and pharma insights and a dynamic that you have seen change for all your years in the industry Health is a broader topic than it was years ago. Can you expand upon that? For Absolutely. Those? Yeah, great. Absolutely. And, you know, you know, I've been going to IAX Health. I was trying to remember the first one I went to, but for a very long time. And, you know, it used to be about pharma research, you know, how do we get insights from doctors on, on what's going to make them prescribe our drugs? And how do we get insights around patients in terms of their willingness to take the drugs that docs prescribe? And what's fascinating to me is the evolution of the healthcare landscape where the idea of understanding consumer or patient behavior to understand branding and communication as it relates to the various sectors of healthcare is it's way beyond pharma now. You've got provider networks who need to understand consumer insights because patients have choices. And and one of the um, one of the presenters at IAX Health showcased that beautifully. The whole landscape is changing relative to the relationship between payers and providers. We see all kinds of new methodological approaches changing because of technology. There's the phenomena of telehealth, which of course became almost imperative during COVID. And each one of these kind of sectors within healthcare now more than ever need to understand the insights, whether it's to create the innovations or to literally understand messaging. And I thought that the content at this year's IAEX Health really covered the gamut really beautifully in terms of these, these stakeholder segments that are changing. We see self-care. We see an increased awareness of the importance of mental health care, self-care, but also 
provider networks creating different opportunities that will will enhance outcomes across all different morbidities and and conditions. We had some great things at IAX Health that related to the empowered consumer, the empowered patient. And then there were topics that definitely required great insights providers helping their clients understand the insights that could inform messaging. I mean, the sections that in IAX Health that dealt with vaccine hesitancy, which dealt with some of the more challenging topics around women's health care, sexual dysfunction. I mean, it, it, it was a really great power-packed day. Yeah. You know, one of the things you were talking about, outcomes, and I was thinking, I had a, a presentation aside from the opening, which I'll get to in a minute, which was me um, very excited to welcome uh, an epidemiologist to the stage. But on a personal level, Buzzbuck's presentation, which was the unexpected consequences of overturning Roe v. Wade, what I loved about that was, first of all, the way they handled it, which was by talking about the data and by talking about kind of factually in a non-political way or a politically polarizing way. They really just got discussed, here's what women are doing differently now as a result, already seeing trends in consumer behavior and data pointing towards new either um, medications or pharmaceutical products or new procedures that they might be willing to undergo, but how women are now navigating a new landscape. I just found that that was this big aha for me because my, my working definition of insight is an unexpected human truth that you can act upon. And when I was listening to that, I was getting that moment of, yes, that's resonating, that's landing. And if I were a marketer, of a, a healthcare or pharmaceutical or even a wellness brand, I could say, yes, I can market to that new mind state, or I can innovate to that new need gap that was identified. So that was sort of this personal highlight for me, one of these, one of these talks that brought me to aha. Right. And and you know, it was interesting because the buzzback topic was extremely provocative, you know, in its description in the program as an example, but it was really landed without any kind of advocacy or bias, right? I mean, it was, it was fact-based, it was evidence-based, and it was important for us to say, huh, if then that, which they proved so beautifully with the research that they had done. And you know, in these somewhat controversial topics, it's really important that we view them and we view how consumers feel about them through the lens of facts, which is really what good research is supposed to be all about anyway, right? I mean, so yeah, the Buzzback presentation was was really was really great. What were other standouts for you personally in the day? Oh boy. Well, you know, one of the sessions that I particularly found compelling was Glenna Crooks, who was the kickoff in the afternoon sessions about confronting vaccine hesitancy. And um, her partner in the presentation 
Bill Bloom was actually sidelined by COVID. So Glenna gave the presentation herself. Now, Glenna is amazing. She's an epidemiologist, another epidemiologist in the presentation. She also served in, I believe it was the Reagan administration as a public health expert. She, she ran global marketing at Merck. She's an author. She's, she teaches at Drexel. So, you know, this multi-hyphenate, but she and Bill did this research self-funded. It was like, wow, that's amazing in and of itself. And what they were looking at was not what should the message be around vaccine hesitancy, but who should the messengers be? So they framed the research around the notion of, well, who do you go to if you are vaccine hesitant about yourself or, for example, your children? What authority do you go to to help you make that decision? Do you go to your spouse? Do you go to your mother? Do you go to your family? Do you go to your healthcare provider? Do you go to your church? Do you go to your network of friends? Because once we understand who the messengers are that are going to be the catalysts towards eroding vaccine hesitancy, only then can we really understand how the messages have to be framed. Because each one is going to be a different communicator of the message. And it was fascinating because, you know, they did the research up, up solid, right? They were able to tell us who men listen to. We, they even talked about when the family is deciding about vaccines for their children, do they invite their children to be part of the conversation? It was, it was really a fascinating piece. And, you know, it really cemented my my appreciation for how critical it is to have really solid researchers looking at all these complex scenarios around healthcare from different points of view to help inform government policy, public health policy, provider messaging. I mean, that was great. Yeah. And that fits with the kickoff session in the morning, which was Dr. Caitlin Gentilina, who was talking, she is an epidemiologist. She actually has a newsletter called Your Local Epidemiologist, talking as a consultant to the CDC. She was a former analyst for the World Health Organization. She not only has this master's in public health and a PhD in epidemiology and biostatistics, but she has spoken at the White House recently. She's you know, been quoted in the New York Times. She's a hotshot in this world of communicating complex models. What she does is she breaks down these very sophisticated complex models and she translates them into a very readable newsletter, readable by somebody like myself, for example, and other less sophisticated individuals that's now being read by over 160 million people in 132 countries. So the need to have complicated information communicated at a level that's understandable, taking the sophisticated and making it digestible is definitely something we heard, not just about vaccine hesitancy, but across the board. Yeah, she was great. She was absolutely terrific. She was a real advocate for understanding audiences and, and building a representative view of different population insights 
And, you know, one of the things, one of the takeaways I had from her session was the idea that messaging is not necessarily advocacy. You know, messaging may just be making complex situations more accessible. And then her takeaway that just stuck with me was, doesn't matter whether it's providers dealing with a complicated situation like COVID created or patients or, you know, anybody in between in the whole healthcare ecosystem on the other side of science is always people. And I just found that such an amazing insight that, you know, if we remember that we're, we're communicating with people and it's often, certainly in the case of the provider and the patient, often it's a one-to-one conversation. So we need to have the insights in terms of how that messaging lands so it doesn't feel like it's, it's conversion, right? It doesn't feel like it's coercion. That was a great part of her session for me. Let's just stay with that theme for a minute, just because messaging and branding also came up very strongly with Cannonball Agency's talk, and they shared that case study. <laughs> oh, I, I, my God. So just to give the audience a little sense of what that was about. So Cannonball's an ad agency in the Midwest. You know, they do a lot of work across a bunch of sectors, but they were approached by a pediatric hospital to create messaging, to create a campaign that would attract families to come to their hospital versus the other three very strong providers that had pediatric practices in the St. Louis area. So what struck me is I just, it's a different world for a hospital to have to think about themselves from a point of view of branding and insights around what's going to resonate with a patient population, or in this case, the family of patients. And they had, they had a behavioral scientist on staff at their ad agency. And it was fascinating because literally in the presentation itself, she told the story of how as a young mother, she had a daughter who was experiencing what could have been a cold, what could have been croup. And suddenly it was identified that this child had a somewhat rare condition that could have been life-threatening. And what was the, you know, what was the feeling that she had? And they discussed it as terror management. When your child is sick, you are terrified. And if a, a hospital can position themselves as people who are going to help you navigate and manage this terrifying situation without making you more fearful that that's the way you shape the brand. And I'm sure that either in the show notes or in some of the, the other things that Green Book will do post the conference, you may actually highlight some of the, the visuals around the branding, which, which came down to the word only, you know, we're the only resource that you need to help you manage this situation with your most precious possession, your child. So they were really, really great. Completely polar opposite in terms of a new 
health therapeutic. We heard from the great Kayla Nix, who's the founder of Jaded CBD, talking about the development of her CBD-infused ingestible products. Kaylin came from 10 years at P&G as a product marketer in the health and wellness categories. You know, very strong understanding of the importance of brand. And she talked a lot about the notion that in this emerging category, there is a vacuum, an absence of brand authority. People are trying CBD products, but there's so much that we as consumers don't know about dosing and reliability and, you know, the authenticity of a product. And she shared that in the research that she did leading up to founding Jaded CBD, she asked about 100 consumers if they had tried a CBD-based or CBD-derived therapeutic product. They said, oh, yeah. And none of them could remember the brand. So she very intentionally created a brand and her goal is to, to become a brand authority within this disruptive emerging space so that the community that she attracts come to her brand, not just for exceptional products, but for information around what is right for them. And this notion of brand authority, I think is sort of permeated through a lot of different presentations, totally separate and different, but, but Cone Health is a provider network that was focused on trying to create programs that would take the time from a diagnosis, a cancer diagnosis, to the availability of radiation treatment from day one of your radiation treatment. They wanted to take that from as many as six weeks down to days. And, you know, really, really fascinating innovation program. They involved themselves with a venture capitalist who helped them not only raise the money to do this program for Cone Health, they're a provider network in North Carolina, I believe but also that they could commercialize that, that innovation. But the idea of becoming the brand authority, if you've got a cancer diagnosis and you want to figure out how you're going to be able to get treatment the fastest, this is a differentiator from them for them as a brand authority that was just astounding. Yeah. So I want to touch on both of those things real quick. So with Kaylin's presentation, and I think it was a theme we heard more than once throughout the day, it's this idea that change happens very slowly and then all at once. And and we yeah. found ourselves Doesn't in that adjust. room, right? We found ourselves in that room, even as she was speaking, thinking, we're not ready for this. We're not ready for this. Uh, CBD infused products hitting our shelves everywhere, becoming more mainstream. And then she had asked the audience, how many people in the audience had tried a CBD-based product, and I'd say half the hands went up. And I found that fascinating because we are at this tipping point, right? We are there. Change is now happening rapidly in that space. And I think that the the vibe was, lean in, folks, it's coming. Right. <laughs> I thought that energy became palpable in the room. Right. Well, you know, it's part of the empowered patient 
feeling the need to take ownership in their own self-care, um, you know, which is leading to the evolution of many different technological innovations. But yeah, change happens slowly and then all at once. And, you know, the Cone Health presentation, I think one of the, the more poignant moments in that talk was when the gentleman shared that they had three options when they realized there was such a challenge with the time from kind of diagnosis to radiation treatment starting. And they were saying one option is kind of feel the stress and do nothing. One option would be to find somebody to develop this, develop a program for them. And then the third option was let's just do it ourselves and create a venture so that we can do it ourselves. Right. And what was also fascinating to me from a point of view of insights is they went to the frontline workers. They went to the people who make the appointments. They went to the, the physician's assistants and the nurse practitioners. They went to the people who literally were working with patients in this incredibly stressful time period. And, the, you know, they didn't go to the, the head of patient services, they went to the frontline workers and they said, you tell us what we should do. They, they got the insights from the people who were, were closest to, you know, where, where's the process becoming gum on the tracks? Where is the process becoming an obstacle rather than an accelerant? How are the patients feeling? What do you see? And that, that notion of including insights from that population within the healthcare provider world, I thought just was a clarion call to all of us. Yeah, yeah. And also the idea that innovation, innovation can happen when the stakes are really high. It seemed that what they were able to accomplish because they were so focused on the fact that lives are literally on the line. And they shared that very compelling data that with each day, their success rate, these, these practitioners were saying, you know, with each day that we lose, you know, the success rate goes down. We lose more human beings to this lengthy process. We need to do better to save lives. And I think that that's just a compelling call to action to everybody in this space, right? That we are talking about you know, human, human beings at, are at the end of all of this. So, and again, it was facts, you know, they weren't trying to create some advocacy message. They were saying, look, we need to do this because it saved, as you said, it saves lives, it improves outcomes. So that, yeah, that was, that was incredibly compelling. Let's go back, Susan, to Sarah Devanzos because we you kind of you touched on it with the inside oh, alchemy yeah. in the very beginning when we were talking about the dark arts um, and and some of the some of the things that are a little bit more abstract. And I just don't want this time together that you and I have to debrief to to pass without us going back to that. So explain to people this brilliant presentation on inside alchemy. It's one that I've you know Sarah has written about before. I know she has spoken at about it before. It was packaged differently for us in this context, but talk to me about what your takeaway was for that one. Well, there are a couple of things that were really important because, you know, we talk in the industry about this all the time, the future of insights. And what Sarah really talked about, first of all, she's put her money where her mouth is. 
she's put together a nonprofit. So this is a woman, if, just a little backstory. This is a woman who has been in the industry for a very long period of time. She's worked all over the world. She, she worked for a gold company really early on in her career. She worked at L'Oreal. She's now the chief data scientist at a pharmaceutically based cosmetic company called Pierre Fabre. Hope I pronounced that French name properly. <laughs> I think you did great. <laughs> um, so she's there to understand the data, but she's put together this group of futurists, and it's a really impressive bunch. It's a nonprofit, and they are trying to understand what the possibilities are for the future where we do need to have insights around consumers, but we need. We need to understand how the data is going to actually uncover human ahas, right? And, you know, she talked in terms of things like seeing research through the analogy of gold, right? Gold is an alloy. Who knew? Anyway. And I mean, the way she's been telling the story of what the future of insights could be, she created during COVID, other people learned to bake sourdough. Sarah created this absolutely exquisitely produced book, you know, through a, through a very high-end printer in Brooklyn. And it's all around seeing research as alchemy, where you bring all these different things together and you, you create gold. And she created a periodic table of what insights could be in the future. I mean, these incredible metaphors, but this is not somebody who's just a brilliant storyteller. She's got the goods in terms of this, this combination of traditional methodologies for uncovering insights and now looking at data, which again is gonna be a very important component of the future for all of research, not just Healthcare, And it doesn't hurt that she is an incredibly dynamic speaker, very inspirational. I was being a bit of a fangirl towards the end. And there were so many people around her. I just said, you know what? We'll connect when we're back in New York. But really, really inspirational. And we need that. We need, we need the sessions that are very fact-based. But we need, we need those sessions that sort of get us all jazzed. Gosh, I mean, there were so many. I mean, the final speaker, I'm going to murder his last name, Steve Andrzejewski. Did I get that I think that so. Right? Yeah, I think okay. so. Steve's an adjunct professor in health economics at NYU. And Steve's session, you know, it's always tough to be the last thing between you, between the audience and cocktails particularly when the cocktails are infused with a bit of CBD <laughs> <Exactly>. oil. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. All you listeners out there who weren't there are now sort of kicking yourself because that was pretty amazing. But anyway, it's last session of the day. You know, you never think it's, it's going to be that exciting, but Steve was doing the kind of follow the money presentation and talking about you know, this, this incredible movement in the healthcare industry right now, where we have non-traditional players literally spending boatloads of money to actually build 
credibility in healthcare. And, you know, there were a few that I'd known about previously. Amazon bought One Medical, right? To get into the sort of urgent care space. CBS dropped $8 billion on the acquisition of a, of a company that's in home health with the recognition that health is not going to stop at the hospital or at the pharmacy, but making sure that people follow the protocols once they're home, particularly when they're being released from hospitals after only a very short period of time, improves outcomes. Walgreens also bought a majority stake in a post-acute healthcare company called CareCentrics. I mean, I've been looking at this space and seeing this notion of what the consumer thinks of as the healthcare provider is changing, whether it's due to telehealth or, I mean, these folks were not mentioned at IIEX Health, but Steve's presentation was a cautionary tale that we need to look at this. Uber has created an entity called Uber Health. Uber, why? Well, social determinants of health which is a huge discipline right now within the healthcare industry, has recognized that what's the biggest barrier to you actually going to your appointment? In some communities, it's getting there. So, you know, these non-traditional players who are investing heavily to become brands that are a brand authority within healthcare, they need insights. They need inspiration too. You know, as you were talking about Uber's play and Uber Health and the obstacle to getting getting healthcare or getting to treatments. I'm thinking also about the work that I've done in in the pharma space and in the supplement space, and you know, n- compliance being one of the the biggest hurdles that they have. Right, so people are are not taking the medications that will save their lives or not taking the supplements regularly that could improve their health and well being, and compliance is problematic in many of these, in in these places. And so it's just this whole idea of overcoming barriers and overcoming hurdles to drive change, to lead to healthier outcomes. I don't think there's enough time or energy, or there could be enough time or energy spent by companies innovating in those areas. And if we can set that bar high, like think like, why couldn't we launch an entirely new division? Uber can do that, but what can other companies learn from that gesture? Well, and and also what role do market research teams play? So, you know, you get sent home from the hospital and you're given that bit of, of patient education. You know, here's what you need to do. There's such a disconnect often between the understanding of patient healthcare literacy. I get this sheet and I'm told how I have to take my medication and what I can do and what I can't do. If it's not written with an insight into what the patient can actually understand, the possibility of compliance that is going to lead to better outcomes erodes dramatically. And so, you know, researchers have a role to play in helping all the stakeholders understand the consumer who's going to be the audience, the audience for the messaging that's around branding, but also the audience around educating relative to things like compliance. You know, there was a bunch of 
other sessions that I think are worth mentioning for a variety of different reasons. There was a lot of talk about mobile research and actually it's a parallel to the adoption of mobile and other technologies within the provider space. There was a great session around mobile as an engagement platform for research that one of the sponsors in crowd had presented. And it was fascinating to see how streamlined they had made research, understanding that it was being delivered on on mobile. And what was really interesting to me was this little tiny nugget that Glenna Crooks, again, the incomparable Glenna Crooks, (laughs) dropped in her session. She's done a lot of work with governments. And she talked about how written into the kind of government rule book for doing research is now a mandate that you have to respect citizens' time and surveys have to be limited to a certain amount of time. Well, if you if you figured that out because you're actually conducting your research on mobile, you know, note to self, you have a better chance of being touched to provide that research you know, for a community organization, a government organization. But, you know, REACH3 also talked a lot about how mobile is being used. I mean, let's face it, we're never away from our phones. And increasingly, if we can improve respondents' responses to the request to to participate in research by making sure it's mobile ready, that's going to be great. And that's going to increase engagement across the board, right? So that is a common theme at, at many of our events is how do we engage participants? How do we how do we reach people where they are? So I think that was one of the one of the themes that we heard, which, you know, obviously we need to we need to have methods that reach people where they are, that are mindful of people's time, that treat participants like human beings. Talk a little bit about your take on the BioVid, AbbVie, and BioVid presentation, because that was another one I want to touch on, and, and we're, we're going to run out of time before we cover it all. It was one day, and we're trying to summarize it in 45 minutes. <laughs> well, the AbbVie BioVid presentation was fascinating because, you know, essentially it was a, it was a great research project, but what was more interesting to me was what they talked about in terms of the way they presented the results to stakeholders. And they literally created an immersive event. So they knew that just, you know, bringing everybody into a room and throwing up the PowerPoints is not going to land this very crucial information that the, the insights that the, that the study created. So, you know, that idea of being able to convey the results in a compelling way and in this case, a highly immersive environment was was critical. I want to also touch back on around the whole idea of respondents and particularly patient respondents. Two exhibitors who didn't have sessions really struck me. One was Rare Patient Voices, who really reminded us that you can't say it's too difficult to reach an audience because you know humans are out there and we have to make sure that their voices are respected. They're not treated like a commodity. But the other exhibitor that I thought was really amazing was Inspire. And they've turned three elements of patient engagement on their heads in creating this 
this, you know, others would call it a panel, they call it a community. So they've reimagined clinical trial recruitment. They've reimagined recruiting patients to participate in surveys, and they've reimagined the whole idea of a patient community. And one of the things that's fascinating about that is that too often we look at patients and we think of one morbidity. You have hypertension. Well, you could have hypertension and you could also be asthmatic. You could have hypertension and you could also have just been diagnosed with you know, a cancer diagnosis. So these guys are looking, they're creating a community of patients that will provide a respondent population, but they're looking at people very holistically and not just through that one lens, which I thought was really great. Oh my God, there just were so many things (laughs) and so many things for so many participants in the conference. But, you know, it just expanded. Talk about brand authority, right? I mean, IIEX is a brand authority in research, but IIEX Health has been a brand authority in how the research world approaches that vertical of healthcare. And in a world where healthcare has changed, the content really demonstrated how you continue to be a place that draws all kinds of people to come and understand the role of insights in helping businesses to grow and serve patients and and citizens more effectively. Well, as the head of content here, I feel like I could listen to you just say that all day long. (laughs) I will say it all day long because honestly, you know, it's rare that you go to a conference and really feel compelled to sit through every session. Yeah. Well, again, fantastic insight, Susan. I'm going to let you have one last word. We, you know, at Green Book, I say this a million times a day, it seems we, we really do focus on the future of insights. And for this particular event, obviously it was all about healthcare and pharma. What do you think, final question, is in store for us when it comes to the future of healthcare and pharma insights? Well, I, I kind of alluded to this before. There are a lot of stakeholders who never had to think about insights because they never really had to think about connecting with their customers, whether it be brands who are introducing new kinds of therapeutics or hospital networks that are creating urgent care facilities or you know those, those non-traditional stakeholders who are now getting into healthcare. These are entities that maybe never have to think about insights before. And so what I think the future is, if we as an industry can communicate our value to those folks who are trying to become brand authorities, who are trying to introduce innovative programs that will increase better outcomes, you know, if we can communicate the value that insights bring to any of these activities and initiatives that then, and I think you told me this, that healthcare is already one of the largest cat spend categories in market research. I think that's where we're going to see real growth in market research, but it's up to us as an industry to communicate the value of insights. Yeah. 
Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you for, first of all, thank you for attending. You chaired. Thank you for chairing at the event. You took on a track with, with gusto, and I'm so grateful for that. Well, I love thank you. I love that you gave us your time and energy and and put some thought against this episode today. So thank you for collecting all your thoughts. It was a pleasure to have you here. I also want to thank our producer, Natalie Push. Without you, Natalie, you know these things wouldn't be happening. So thank you so much for that. Our editor, James Carlisle. And of course, our listeners, thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for spending the last 45 minutes with us talking about IAEX Health and the future of Health and Pharma Insights. It was a pleasure to have you all here today. Bye-bye. Until next time. Join Greenbook for the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange. This global conference series, also known as IIEX, is where connections are made, inspiration is found, and innovative solutions are discovered. With more than 90% of attendees using IIEX Insights to shape strategic business decisions, the return on investment is undeniable. Whether you're in Asia-Pacific, North America, Europe, or Latin America, IIEX is your gateway to the latest market research best practices, tech innovation, and strategies for transforming insights into action. Nurture your career and business with insights from across the globe. And here's a bonus. Use the special code PODCAST to save 20% on general admission for all IIEX events. Visit greenbook.org events today to learn more and register. See you there.